home of Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEIFM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. of the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy here on WEEI. It's a full tank program. You can join us, 617-779-7937. If you miss any of the program, check out the Rich Keefe Show podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. And, of course, you can watch the show on Twitch. Just follow WEEI. You can watch all the programs from 6A until 10P. Speaking of 6A, programming announcement. Uh-oh. Fitzy and I, along with Chris Schein, will be hosting the Greg Hill Show this Friday morning. I like that. That may be the most electric yeah. morning combination. Coco, yeah. Keith, Fitzy, oh, Shine. Let me stop you right there. No Coco. What happened? She bagged out. Oh, she was it just too, too dude-centric? I, From what I've been told, I haven't spoken directly with Courtney about this. This okay. is what I've heard through multiple sources. All right. She was planning on working, and then she found out that Greg and Wiggy were out. And she was like, well, I also would like to be off. How come? Can I please be off? And because she was on the original schedule. The original schedule said, mm-hmm. keep Coco and Fitzy. And I was like, that's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. Same. I, I've worked a couple times with Coco. Coco's been on the hashtag dork podcast, for God's sakes. You're kidding. She and I reviewed the most recent Scream movie together. She's oh, a big Scream right. fan like I am. She was excellent on that episode. You can check it out in the archives. So I was kind of bummed. So I don't know. I take it as a direct slap in my face. Mm. Don't you? Like, yeah. hey, uh, Fitzy and Keith are coming in to do the show. They're thrilled to work with you. She's like, ugh. ugh. Oh, are those guys? And you know, the crazy thing was, earlier today, Rich, I was just thinking, you know, I, you know I'm coming in to make sure I'm there live in studio with Always. you and Shyamalama Ding Dong, yep. of course, for the big holiday spectacular Friday morning. And so tomorrow night, uh, I'm making my way down to a holiday party at, at one of our favorite breweries, speaking of beer, Vitamin C Brewing. Awesome. And I know Uncle Dino, who supports his and takes care of sure all does. the good boys and girls of radio and Pat's land. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, w- was uh, probably going to send me with some beer. So there goes Courtney's yeah. stouts. <laughs> what a guess shame. We'll ha- guess we'll have to drink them. I wish. Well, yeah, fine. Well, more for us, as they say. <laughs> That's right. Stiz, I wish we could take you with, uh, yeah, you feeling, with us. I guess a little left out. I'm guessing Shime's just going to be back there running that whole thing by himself. That's I'm not fine. sure. That's fine. Friday's got some interesting combos, though. I believe like it's a lot of people took Friday off. Yeah. I did not. Mm-hmm. You know me. Uh, you know, work hard, play hard. That's it. But that work hard's the. Most I don't flex. Part. I don't flex. I saw everyone's like Spotify wrapped. What do they call it? Holiday wrapped on uh, the Weei socials, and a lot of people really pushing that high double digit flex day routine. Oh, I didn't see that. Does it say? Does it say how many days each person took off? I think I think Greg took twenty five flex days. Curtis was like near twenty. How many was I? Did it was mine on there, or was this just their show? It was just their show. Okay, got it. All right, Fourier's up there. I mean, I still had like a paternity week, but that doesn't count. Listen, I'm a, the man's a father. What do you what want do you me think? to do? Weren't your children born back in the nineties? Come on, what are we doing here? How do you yeah, still have paternity I still, time? I, I, I like layaway. I was like, I'll get to. That. I must have some then. That. Yeah, dig, like look into it. Talk to uh, HR, whatever you got to do. Yeah, please. But anyway, no Courtney on Friday. Okay, uh, so her choice. But yeah, you, me, and uh, Shine, we'll kick it around a little bit. Who's doing the news? Shine, probably. Okay. We are doing the news. So people who tune in specifically for the news, I've also uh, got it on good authority that we need to do the news. 
Okay, so uh, so we have to do leads as well? We're going to do leads. Oh, it's the Greg Hill Show. It's just with three other guys or two other guys and Sean. Okay, now which one of us is going to have the worst football takes and which one of us will still have Ajita from having eaten at Ocean Prime six hours prior? Yeah, so I guess we maybe we'll go back and forth, right? Each hour we can play a different role on the show. That's what we'll do, but I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, you know? So we'll, do, we'll have that. Uh, and then I'm off for a week, and then we'll be back ready to kick some ass in uh, 2024. Oh, it must be nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. I'll well. just be, everyone can just step on my back on the way out the door. <laughs> Hart and I will be holding up the radio <laughs> station later, next everybody. week. Well, speaking of, uh, actually, there's no easy transition to this. You were uh, attacked, for lack of a better word. Thank you. On Twitter. You have sort of been lumped in. Dare I say unfairly, but let's hear the whole case, I guess, for this. But but sort of set up how you got dragged into the mud on uh, Twitter, and then Stiz and I can say whether it's fair, unfair, or just maybe even ask more questions. Okay, so I spend less and less time on Twitter day by day, and with good reason, Rich. The the X platform, one and many would agree, it, without even going to threads, it's just it's a mess. It's it's a place of excess negativity. <laughs> that and, is fair, yes. And blind and unnecessary blind rage. So now, of course, as we speak of the social uh, issues and the civil wars going on in Patriots Nation between the team Belichick's and uh, the team anti Bills and whatnot. Yep, yep. yep. I saw it today in my ma- I checked once today, one yep, time. My mentions just your to see if there's anything I needed yeah. before tonight's show, and all of a sudden I see. Uh, a tweet, and it comes from this. So a tweet was put out uh, a day ago by some dude named Scotty B. Uh, and he said, uh, Scotty B, with an exclamation, Scotty, Scotty B, the name. B, all right. Sc- at Scotty B, the name. He said, it's a shame <laughs> that such a large portion of our fan base prefers to disrespect, discredit Bill Belichick after all we've been through. It's sad. And to spit on his legacy by saying it was all Brady is ridiculous. I hate it. Okay, I already have issues with that, but yep. that's fine. There's right. a million terrible okay. opinions and yep. to each his own. Yep. They're like yep. neighbors' taxes and blank holes. We've all got them. Mm-hmm. Somebody replies to him. At least they had the stones to at me and says, you can thank at Tommy Curran, at Fitzy GFY, and at Tony Maserati, and that <laughs> idiot Adam Jones of WEEI. <laughs> oh, the big four. I was at the, <laughs> the Mount yeah, Rushmore, the Mount Rushmore of, of Belichick haters. Fitzy, Curran, Jones, and Maz. Yep. I don't know why that, that put me into such an immediate rage. One stupid little mention from somebody with <laughs> who follows me, I guess. Yeah, of uh, course, yeah. Someone, Joanne Collins. Okay, there we go. At Baby Naldi. Collins. Yeah, probably Ken Laird's burner. So, <laughs> so I, I, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I understand. I've probably been people's. Oh, Fitzy's much more negative on the radio than he used to be. And I've explained time and again. Yeah, that we now have to deal with something that we did not have to traffic in for 19 years. People, no, they're three and eleven, which and they was don't reality back in the double dynastic yeah. run of the Patriots. Since then, Bill Belichick. I love the man, and I appreciate everything he's done, but he's had losing records in three out of four seasons. Right. And to try to blame it away or excuse it away by saying you're being disrespectful. The guy is not a god. He is not a demagogue. He is not some sort of autocrat. He's not an emperor. My God, he's a human being that just happens to be really good at understanding schemes and formations and in football. Jesus, mercy, and Joseph. He's the most cold-blooded 
like GM there was, right? Like he would get rid of guys all the time, all the time. Guys that fans were obsessed with. Middle of the season, right before the season, like Lawyer Malloy, like he got rid of guys all the time. And now everybody and Underwood got cut the night before yeah. the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's tomorrow. What are you doing? Actually, you're cut. What? <laughs> like so? Yeah, the guy was merciless, and it led to a ton of success for sure. Right. But right. for everybody, not everybody, but for this big growing section of the fan base to have this like warm heart for him, like he should coach as long as he wants. We had a caller the other night, and he was like, "You guys are crazy for saying he should go, and yep. uh, he should be here like as long as he wants." And I just said, "All right, let's say they go three and fourteen this year, and then they go three and fourteen next year. Would you bring them back the year after that?" He goes, "Absolutely." I'm like, "All right, well then, there's no." There's no debating that like that. You're just you're dead set on right. job for life. So like sacred cows, like you're in on that. I'm not. I'm not. Now, where I do draw the line and I know you did, certainly don't do this. Um, some have and like you'll see like national media guys that hated the Patriots or Asante Samuel. They'll do the turns out it was only Brady forever and it was never Bill like that to me is insane. Like Bill was the greatest coach ever doesn't mean you always are right like coaches don't like all the hall of fame coaches they didn't coach until the day they died like that's not how it worked right like you kind of lose it like at some point you're like you're not as good as you were whether the game changes or maybe you just don't have the same kind of uh vigor for it i don't know but i don't i don't besmirch a thing that he did in the past Mm -mm. i'm more calling out the present or maybe even like the very very recent past Mm-hmm. And then also projecting towards the future, which I don't think he's going to be a part of a turnaround and a rebuild and all that stuff. I mean, forget but, about the fact that I've spent years and years and right. years defending the man, that I wear his face on T-shirts and sweatshirts, yeah. that it's the, my avatar in social media. I have his freaking dog from the Nantucket Draft House in the COVID year. All that stuff. Forget about all that. And, and, and being a Belichick on-the-wall guy for uh, two and a half decades now. And siding with him in the divorce that I almost feel badly about now is Brady went to Tampa and we stayed home with Bill and the Lombardis were the divorced children stuck between all of them. To, to, just for anybody to offer any sort of criticism, this is so soft, S-A-W-F-T, this is so soft. thin-skinned, soft, to just say like, oh, someone who used to just no matter what pledge absolute loyalty and utter fealty to him to now offer any form of criticism, you're one of the ones that's helping run him out of town and ruin his legacy. That's what it is. Kiss my grits. <laughs> that's what it is, Fitzy. They thought you were simpatico with them. And then you had the awakening. They have not yet had the awakening. Exactly. And that, that's what it is. Exactly. So, for, you know, it's like death and taxes. You could always count on after every Patriots win, lose, whatever. You go to social media. There's your old pal Fitz sipping yes. an adult beverage. Yes. And he's going to talk you off that ledge. Right. And now you're seeing the, you know. But the, now the, if he did that, it'd be insane. Like if he was like, guys, don't worry. I know it was a bad 11th loss, but don't worry. Next week they're like, going to be good. You'd it's be like, like a shock to the you, system. That is when you would lose all credibility. If you're like, hey, guys, just stick with Mac Jones. Like I see something there. Like, what the hell? Like, so now you're the every year they're 17 and 0 guy. Like, that's what that turns yeah. into. And, like, you can't listen to that. I mean, it, it, it's one thing to be positive in the, in right. the face in the face of negative or to, to say, you know, never tell me the odds. Okay, Han Solo, <laughs> that's all well and yeah. good. Yeah. But here's uh, the reality. You might want to hear them. The guy, the, the guy has proven the ability to do so very much with so very little compared to others. But holy smokes, to just be, to be considered by anyone or a group of people as somebody that is helping run, like becoming a hater and running your yeah. coach out of town and disrespecting his legacy, 
Blow it out your blank and kick rocks on the moon. I Get love out. it. That's a F good t- That's a fired up Fitzy right there. That's what we're going to call it. We'll build it open. We'll have it. 2024 is going to be the uh, the year of this show. That's for sure. Uh, our guy, <laughs> Big Turp, Justin Turpin, covers the Celtics for WEEI.com. Will join us at the uh, stroke of 830 to discuss the Celtics' recent loss to the Warriors last night where they had a huge lead in this uh, road trip, which continues tonight against the Kings. It's the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy. But right now, here is Stiz with What's Trending. Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI. Trending now. The Celtics lost their first of a four-game road series last night to the Warriors. Steph Curry hit a soul-crushing three with 10 seconds left to help the Warriors pull off a come-from-behind win, 132-126 to in overtime. Jalen Brown spoke to the media after the game on the Celtics' struggles on the road. I mean, uh, I think just playing at home, playing in front of your home crowd in your own bed, I think that definitely helps. But, you know, teams on their home floor, they feel just as good as we do. Um, So tonight... uh, took their best shot and came up short. Celtics in Sacramento tonight to take on the Kings. Tip-off about 2 hours, 10 p.m. Jason Tatum out with a left ankle sprain. Al Horford out for some rest. Luke Cornett out with a left adductor strain. Bruins also lost to the Minnesota Wild last night, 4-3 at the TD Garden. It was a back-and-forth affair that ended when Joel Erickson found Kirill Kaprizov for a one-timer in the game-winning goal. Bruins back on the ice Friday night. They'll be in Winnipeg to face the Jets puck drop at 8 p.m. Patriots continue to get ready to head to Denver and take on the Broncos Sunday night at 8 p.m. Hunter Henry, Connor McDermott, Jabril Peppers, and Ramondre Stevenson did not participate in today's practice. A few other players on limited participation. Those players included Christian Barmore, Jawan Bentley, Trent Brown, Jonathan Jones, Matthew Slater, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Jelani Tavai. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More Rich Keith Show coming up. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say W-E-E-I is a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on W-E-E-I. Back here on the Rich Key Show with Fitzy Weei. Anytime, what do you got? What What do you have, Fitzy? Is you have people that like Limp Biscuit, or you have people that are liars? That's really what you have in this world. <laughs> I it's didn't see it going that way. I it's like such it. an easy thing when people are like, oh yeah, yeah, Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, ninety nine. You didn't like Limp Biscuit. Yeah, Two thousand one. You didn't like Limp Biscuit. You, you sure about lying. that? You sure about that? You like his new look, Fred Durst, uh, like the cowboy. It's odd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, limp, like liking having liked Limp Biscuit is like a lot of different like phases where like you you liked a certain kind of movie or you yeah. wore a certain style of clothes and you try to deny it but there's a photo of you in it it's or like, right. there's video of you dancing to yeah. it or at a show you're like just own up to it like oh, we all drank great. Zima at a point we all sure. wore peg jeans <laughs> yeah oh yeah all that stuff I I would I celebrate their first three albums in its entirety. Now, they made music for another, like, 20 years. I can't really speak to that. I sort of fell out of it. But I could go back and listen to any of that stuff right now. Have a, have a nice time. Ain't no problem with that. They blended that rap and... None of the music uh, I listened to. Yeah, that's right. Never. And they, yeah. they really were the pioneers of blending that rap and rock. 
You think so? Yeah. Like well, making it cool. They, you know I mean, they I mean? definitely made it cool. They made it mainstream. Like Faith No More, I feel like it's a lot. It should oh, get a lot Faith of credit no for. More, like, yeah. They kind of, sure. they kind of. I have still that. love Faith No More. No, they're good. They're real good. But kidding? I, they're like the first one I think of when it's like rap rock. But then like Corn kind of is like kind of Limp Bizkit, obviously. Head PE or oh, a little head hey PE bartender. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yo, sure. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk to Turpin in a few minutes about uh, the Celtics. But the NBA last night, uh, you see Damian Lillard had 40 for the Bucks. I think I know 40? they played the Spurs, but, like, whatever. But I think it was a little bit of a slower start for them. I think they're going to be just fine. And I think just the, the Giannis-Lillard combo is nasty. Like, it's as, as we kind of assume that it would be. And even with some of their, um, you know, feeling out process – They've won five in a row, the Bucks have, and they're twenty and seven. The Celtics mm-hmm. are twenty and six. So like it's it's those two teams in the East. You have Philly a couple games down. Orlando's a fun story. You know, we've talked about them. We've I think we've both and bet tough on them. out any given night. Yeah. Oh, they're tough for sure. And they're nasty at home, as like a lot of like talented young teams are. But I mean the East to me, unless somebody can really present me a strong case for Philly or Orlando or the Cavs as much as I like Mitchell. It's the Celtics and the Bucks. And if we don't get a Celtics Bucks Eastern Conference final, that's just going to be such a letdown. That means either somebody got hurt or there's some stupid upset like there was last year with when the Miami Heat, you know, actually eliminated both of them. Yeah. Uh yeah, the my oh god, the heat. Just, that was just insane. Makes me think of Golden State. Uh, yeah, it just makes me think of like how they both play. Against like the Golden Celtics State's not they even. Get they're the eleven seed. They've won three straight, including last night as against the Celtics, and they've dug themselves such a hole that they are the eleven seed in the Western Conference, and they're still doing the you know ten teams make the playoffs, mm-hmm. one through six automatically in, seven through ten play the little tournament thing, uh, or like the mini one in uh, one off. Golden State's below 500 like they are not very Clay good Thompson's had a lousy season yeah, I think he's kind of he's kind of about done because there's no other real options there either so like this would be the year where all right Clay you got to go back to the old Splash Brothers we need you to go 20 25 points a game I think he's at like 17 and like that's really nothing like for mm-hmm. today's NBA when you look at every single team in the league is averaging I think the lowest scoring team in the NBA is at like 106 points per game. Yeah, offense is up this year. Offense Every time I check FanDuel and I'm yeah. looking at like what the over-under is, like a 224 is a low-end over-under in this year's NBA. Uh, Yeah, the low is the Grizzlies averaging 106 points per game, but they just got John Morant back, and so I'm sure that number will go up. Mm-hmm. And then the best like defense as far as points allowed is the T-Wolves, which is also like 106. So, like, we've seen in the last, like, three or four years, that number has just crept up. Because, remember, there used to be a few teams that would lock down defensively and they would average, you know, give it up in the 90s. But I, I prefer, I know there are games like last night where a team can miss 41 threes. It can get kind of ugly. But overall, I give me, like, in all sports, give me, give me more points. All right, Fitzy, helping us out with some uh, Celtics chatter is our own Justin Turpin from WEI.com. He joins us now on the Harbor One Hotline. Turp, how are you, sir? What's going on, guys? Oh, no, not much. Just picking apart a uh, Celtics loss last night. So let me start with that. Uh, Blowing a 17-point third-quarter lead, what was the biggest thing that jumped out to you as to why they uh, coughed up that game last night? 
Well, the biggest thing is they just couldn't buy a basket down the stretch. I mean, you look back at that uh, possession in right at the last possession of, or second to last uh, possession of regulation when they get five looks and miss all of them. Uh, right. That just can't happen. Yeah. And you have you lead by 17 with under five inches to go in the third quarter, enter the fourth quarter leading by 11, and then you led by almost like with, by seven with almost four minutes to go. I mean, you just can't lose those games. And I didn't necessarily have a problem with the shot selection. Like, I know you see they missed 41 threes, but uh, a lot of those were good looks, which, you know, it, it's NBA tracking data will justify that if you want to believe that or not. But a lot of those were good looks, but you just couldn't buy a bucket down the stretch. And typically it's, they kind of get in their own way with the turnovers and whatnot. They only had eight on the night, their second lowest total this season. So it wasn't that. It was just they couldn't put the ball in the cup down the stretch. Yeah, Terp, you and I will chop it up usually even before we record the Six Rings podcast about what the Celtics did right or wrong the night before. And one of the common themes I feel like we often discuss is a lot of the same issues that have dogged this team now over multiple seasons continue to be the issue and it's beyond missing so many threes it's the inability to close it's where's the killer instinct between Jalen and Tatum or and and bad shot selection down the stretch and last night like Rich and I were discussing before you hopped on the horn the terrible eight seconds left Jason Tatum has a chance to make a play and he just dribbles the ball until he has to foist a 30 point uh, excuse me rather has to hoist a a 30 foot three-pointer that was a terrible look like why do they keep committing the how have they not been able to learn from the mistakes of the last two and a half seasons yeah and that that one was interesting too especially because Tatum was shooting two of eight from deep when he chucked that three up and that's just a bad look uh I think they missed Porzingis in that situation especially he's been he's done wonders for them in the clutch offense kind of giving them a different outlet because he can go in the post he can kind of work and he opened so many things up for their offense, and that's why they're 2-2 two and two without him in clutch games, and we're kind of seeing his impact down the stretch. But uh, that, you know, that, there should have been a timeout there. I don't understand not taking the timeout, especially because Tatum really didn't start his drive to the basket or pull up three until later in the, in the, in the game clock anyway. So I think there should have been a timeout there, but I really, it doesn't make sense as to why they just can't kind of figure these out. And Tatum typically has come up big with those shots but that's just a bad one especially on a rough shooting night on a bad ankle now with the loss drops from the 500 on the road six and six they are still undefeated at home and i know every nba team especially the good ones are always better at home than they are on the road but what do you make of like that discrepancy i mean 500 on the road versus you know nobody can touch them at the garden it's even crazier when you look at the shooting numbers when they're averaging like 124 at home that number's way down on the road it's the strangest thing when you take them out. They're just not as comfortable. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Granted, um, some of that has to do with missing guys or guys have missed a couple games on the road. Obviously, you're without Christoph Porzingis uh, last night. You missed Derek White for a couple games in a road stretch earlier in the season. But it is kind of weird, and it's really kind of it's it's frightening a little bit when you're six and six on the road and you can't pull games out when you're not at home. It's it is kind of weird, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of concerning going forward. So. Uh... How about Drew Holiday? I know there was an injury a while ago that's probably nagged and lingered a little bit for him. I feel like the the Drew Holiday, the 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 size of the Drew Holiday impact that was felt initially with the great defense and some big shots has kind of dissipated a little bit if you will, Terp. Uh, how do you think he's doing in this now that he's like fully established and entrenched in his first season with the Celtics? 
I think right now on the defensive end, he's doing wonders. I mean, he's really acted like a quarterback on the defensive end, kind of playing like a free safety role on defense, and it's done a lot of good things for the Celtics' defense. Offensively, it's a little different. He's really Mm -hmm. struggled to find his shot. And I also think that's just a – you know, you're you're not used to having all these stars on the team. It's kind of hard to pick your spot. And we're seeing it's taken some guys longer than others to get used to it. You're seeing Jalen Brown struggled the first 10 or 12 games of the season – and now he's playing some of the best basketball of his career now that he's kind of adjusted to that role. And I think Holiday has it a little bit more difficult because he spent all those years in Milwaukee. This is kind of completely new to him. And offensively, I think he will get going. And maybe tonight's a good chance for him to try to be a little bit more aggressive. I mean, obviously, when you have guys like Porzingis, Tatum, Brown, and Derek White, like you're always kind of looking out, you're looking to pass out. And, uh, you know, maybe tonight he can be more aggressive now that they're down a score. Talking with Justin Turpin. He covers the Celtics for us here at WEI.com. And Turp, Joe Mazzula was one of my question marks going into the season. There was a lot of issues last year, of course. And then going into this year, you were thinking, all right, how is this team not going to win it? And you're kind of trying to find different reasons why that might be the case. I'm curious, in your view, 26 games through the season, Missoula, is he the same as last year? Is he worse than last year? Or is it the same as last year? I think Missoula's made some tremendous growth. I think he's pushed a lot of the right buttons, and obviously everyone's going to look towards the three-point shooting. But the reality is, is the three-point shooting works for the Celtics, and now they're starting to find different outlets. Missoula's had a real heavy on offensive rebounding, which they're finding ways to win games when the threes aren't falling. I also think he's doing a really nice job emphasizing the importance of the defensive end, and that's something that they all want to do entering the season, and they're really buying into it. I think he has a really unique way of connecting with his players, but it's working. And I think he's really taken a step forward, and I think that has to do with the talent and the help he has on his bench. But we're seeing kind of growth that we had that maybe you didn't expect going into this year. But uh, I think he's been great this year. And I think maybe I need to separate, you know, like the on-court stuff and then like the press conference stuff because I don't listen to every single word, right? Like you're there, you're at every single one of these. I usually like fly in, I'll maybe read a transcript or I'll or I'll get the highlights of it. But he kind of rubs me the wrong way with just how he approaches it, right? Like he has a Belichick Popovich response to questions, even though he's just showed up in the league like yesterday. So like that kind of annoys me. But again, the results are the results. Like it's, it's all going to be about whether they're winning right now. They are still in first place in the Eastern Conference, but he seems on top of like the smarmy Belichick pop stuff. He also seems so over the top analytic driven and it's stats and it's numbers and it's percentages rather than, I don't know, the feel of the game. Like uh, this guy didn't have it tonight, or maybe I decided to do this, or maybe I would mix in a timeout, even though the thing might, you know, that my chart might tell me not to take a timeout. So maybe it's just more like, how he talks than what he does on the floor that is sort of rubbing me the wrong way. Yeah. Not in his ways a little bit. Like he's driven. This is how he is. He likes shooting a lot of threes. He likes the math. He likes the numbers and he doesn't like taking timeouts. That's just how he is. And no matter how many times people say anything, he's not going to change it. That's, and that's maybe a good thing. Uh, Terp. So as, as we sit right now, we are a month and a half from the NBA trade deadline. It's Thursday, February 8th. If you could pull the trigger on a deal right now to shore up one weakness on this team or something you feel will be an issue going forward as they streak towards the playoffs, what would that be? I think you got to look at the front court. I think, you know, ever since when they traded Robert Williams 
in the true holiday deal, everyone knew that there was inevitably going to be a hole in the front court. And I think Namias Kata's done a good job kind of filling that role. But I think they do need to go after someone in that department. I don't know if you guys saw the rumor that they were interested in Isaiah Stewart from the Pistons, though that's very unlikely. A player like that would make a lot of sense for the Celtics, somebody that kind of brings that toughness. And Stewart's actually having a good year shooting from on the arc this year. So somebody that kind of fits that mold. I think they tried to do it last year with Mike Muscala. And things just didn't work out. They brought in a big guy who can space the floor and shoot. Obviously didn't really find much time on the court. But I look for them. It's not going to be a real splashy move, I don't think. Though they have the assets to do it. They're already above the luxury tax. So they're going to be careful there. But I do think they are going to make some sort of move. But it's not going to be as splashy as everyone thinks it's going to be. It's going to kind of, you know, use some of those second-round picks. Use that draft capital they acquired over the summer and use that to make an addition to, to the end of the bench. And I think that's what they're looking to do. I also think Namias Kata could really be playing his way into a standard contract. He's been phenomenal in the minutes he had, both offensively and defensively. I think the defensive needs a little bit more work. But, I mean, for a team that emphasizes the importance of offensive rebounding, he is terrific at it. He had six alone last night. I'll tell you, I'd take beef stew. I mean, if uh, Isaiah Stewart's available, I mean, why not? It would be great. Yeah, yeah, a little bit it's, of uh, the beef. The problem is, yeah. yeah, he just he has the what they call the poison pill provision in yeah. the deal, so the yeah. outgoing salaries and incoming salaries differ in the trade. So for his outgoing value, it would be like $5.3 million, but a team trying to acquire him would be just over $13 million. Yeah. So for a team like the Celtics, already constrained by the cap and already above the luxury tax, it just – too, seems too difficult for them to try and work out. And then uh, lastly, Terp, after they get back from their road trip, which is Sacramento tonight and then both L.A. teams, including uh, Christmas against the Lakers, on Thursday, December 28th, they welcome the Detroit Pistons to the Garden. And for those who haven't been following the Pistons, I do not blame you, but they started the year 2-1, and one, and they have since lost 24 straight games. They are approaching a record. They might even set the record uh, at the Garden. I I haven't looked at their schedule, but, I mean, there's bad, and then there's whatever this is this year from Detroit, Washington, San Antonio. Like, they are non-competitive. And when you look at it, the funniest thing is Monty Williams, the coach in Detroit, and Greg Popovich are the two richest coaches in the league right now. They're the ones with the biggest deals, and their teams just aren't winning. I think Popovich's situation is a little different, but you know Detroit brings in Monty Williams, and he kind of builds his own staff. And they're like, they're going to turn it around. They won two of their first three, and now they haven't won since the World Series was on, which is just incredible to think about. Oh, my God. Two of the last three number one overall picks, too. Cade Cunningham, and then this year, obviously, with one by Ama, but... Anyway, that's uh, that's uh, on the other end of the standings from where the Celtics are. He's Justin Turpin. You can check out all of his stuff, com Covers uh, the Seas here for Odyssey. Turp, a pleasure, and um, uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you down the road. Yes, sir, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, very good. Uh, Fitzy, last week we talked uh, about best Christmas TV specials. Yes. Let's do the full-length feature films. I'm in it. Full-length, top five each. We're going to rip around. Stiz is top five, Fitzy's top five, my top five for Christmas movies. We will uh, do that coming up next. You can watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. And check out WEEI on YouTube for our video on demand content updated daily. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. I don't want a lot for Christmas. 
Step on the Queen there. I mean, my God. Listen to the whole song. Back here on the Rich Keep Show with Fitzy, W-E-E-I. Time now for top five Christmas movies of all time. Now, last week we did uh, a lengthy discussion of best Christmas specials. So we're not going to include those. Many of my favorites are the specials like A Muppet Family Christmas, mm. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, mm. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Those don't count for this exercise. Plus, okay. we, we already talked about them a lot. We have. So let's do our own individual top five. Fitzy, what do you think is the best way to do it? One person rips through their five, or everybody does five, everybody does four, three, two, one. I say we just, I, I, ha, I have the hardest time, like, ranking them. Like, oh, boy. they just, they, I know. Oh, I think I have a number one. Okay. No, let's, right. let's go five, let's go five to one. All right, five to one. Uh, Stiz, how about you have your list ready to go? I'm ready. All right, why don't you go your five through one, and then we'll sort of discuss what, what's in there. Okay, five through one. Yep. Uh, so Scrooged, good one. Uh, Jim carries the Grinch. I don't care what any of you wow. say. Wow, miserable people. Wow. Uh, Jim carries the Grinch. Uh, a Christmas story. Yep. Mm. Number two. I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this. Batman Returns. It is that a, is a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. Thank it's you. aggressively high at two. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's not that it doesn't qualify. It's I'm a just... sucker for Michael Keaton as Batman. I really am. Okay. And then number one, Home Alone. All right. So Stiz I'm sorry, and did I... you say Michael Keaton or Michael Keaton? Keaton. 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 Push buttons. He's got. He's got. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert! Uh, only one overlaps with my top five. I like really? Scro- I like Scrooge quite a bit. Didn't make my top five. Uh, Scrooge is a Scrooge is an awesome movie. Yeah. Can I, can, is there? Do we have time? I swear, I'll go to eleven or twelve. Go ahead. Uh, we gotta, people. We have to stop it with movies that have Christmas as a part of the backdrop or coincidentally feature Christmas as Christmas movies. Lethal Weapon, Die your, Hard, yeah. Batman Returns. These are not. Christmas movies. Oh, they are movies that involve Christmas, but they are not Christmas movies. Would you say A Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas movie? So much so that it's number five on my list. Oh, good segue. How about that? Let's go right to your list. Nightmare Before Christmas. All uh, right. That, uh, just for the music alone, for the Elfman. I mean, yes, and I understand Danny Elfman also did the music for Edward Scissorhands and yeah. for Batman Returns, which is a cool, beautiful soundtrack. But no, Nightmare Before Christmas. It may be the only one, Rich. That actually is in like my top five of two different movies. Like it's one of my five favorite Halloween movies, yeah. and it's an amazing Christmas. Film. It's great, great movie. Uh, number four, um, no man who has friends in this life is a failure. Uh, several of us in this room prove that otherwise, <laughs> but uh, that's it's a wonderful life. Number three, yep. Elf. Yep. Congratulations, you've did it. You made the world's best cup of coffee. Yep. Number two, Home Alone, and number one, A Christmas Story. Wow, you like Christmas Story that much? I, Both I, you guys I, do. I watch I'm in the minority. Every year you I can't avoid it, it. it's yeah, on 24 it. yeah. 7 <laughs> they they have a whole channel dedicated to it actually two um 
TNT you know? and TBS both. Oh, they both run it like that. They both. Well, at least they TBS have in the past. Does. They both go here twenty four hours no, straight. No, 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 twenty four hours straight on both. Yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah I, it's just it's not iconic. for me. No, it's a like, lot of people love it. Rich, you know, fun little fact. You know go who ahead. directed it? Same guy that directed Porky's, Bob Clark. Bob Clark, who also I believe directed a movie that almost made my list. Uh, if I'm thinking of the right guy, Black Christmas. Oh, didn't Bob Clark also direct that? He very well may have. We'll have 1974's Black Christmas, the original Black Christmas. Read that. That's the OG. Is a great like this predates Halloween as far as like slasher movies and like just going after like in this case it was a sorority rather than like uh, babysitters. But the original 1974 Black Christmas is great. I even read an article a while ago, brag that uh, Steve Martin watches that Black Christmas every year. It's like a Christmas tradition. Steve Martin and his family watched Black Christmas. So that almost made my list. Kind of funny that it was also a uh, Bob Clark film. All right, number five on my list is Gremlins. Love that movie. Great, Absolutely love great, it. Great movie. Number four is The Muppet Christmas Carol, which I defended. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's that high for it's, you. I can't yeah, I love get it. my love damn kids to sit down and watch it with me. I don't, I don't understand why. what they have against the Muppets. I don't know why. There's one scene there's one song like towards the end maybe 75 percent into the movie that you might want to fat but it's a little slow and like all right it's not muppets and like let's kind of move on but it's great uh i have elf three i have christmas vacation two and then i have home alone one yeah you know national lampoons i've i've uh, yeah it's not your thing no actually i have come come about full face on this one Uh, okay total 180 all right uh i used to say that it was highly overrated and, and very unfunny then I watched it with the kids two years ago. They laughed. I laughed. It just, I just, it took thirty years, but I thawed. I lo- <laughs> okay. Hey, listen, I love it. I think it's, my, it's my favorite of the vacation movies because I don't like particularly even love Chevy Chase, but I love that movie. And that is a class. Like the five that I listed for my list are always ones that I gotta revisit every December. Like, can I get your, can I get your five again? Uh, from five to one, Gremlins, mm-hmm. The Muppet Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. Elf. Christmas Vacation and Home Alone. It's a great list. Yeah. Yeah, we, Elf and Home Alone are on uh, both of ours. Uh, Home Alone is on all three. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a unanimous top fiver right there. It's so, it's so like, yeah. it's, I don't know why. It just, it just really, but it's got so many wonderful flaws. Yeah. So like, oh yeah. Like I've pointed them out before in the, uh, I've seen a bunch of people love breaking that movie down on social media too. Like, how did a family with nine kids only order one cheese pizza for dinner the night before they flew overseas? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and how did it, how did a household with nine kids oversleep their alarm at eight a.m.? And like, what did the dad do for a job to have that kind of house and to be able to afford that number of first class tickets to France? So like first all that class. Stuff, first class tickets. Although I don't think the kids were in first class. That was part of part of the hang up. But all the adults right. were in first class. And then also the age old question: Like, would your parents? Let your uncle talk to you the way that Kevin's uncle talked to him. It's very funny. I was going to get to that, and can I get a ruling? Okay. But well, you we know what? Just, we can no, do let's, that. You know, let's we, just do it right now. All right. We can, or we can save it. No, let's save it because this way it's going to be more than a minute of a discussion. So let's save it. Let's get to that coming up. You guys can also join us here on the program at 617-779-7937. I'll tweet out these bad boys too, what everybody's favorite Christmas movies are. Uh, and feel free to send us yours at Rich Keefe Show on Twitter, Instagram, and you can also text in 37937. It's the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy. Three hours down, one hour to go, and we will get to uh, Can I Get a Ruling? Coming up next. Gresh and Fourier. Most people could probably kick Bruce Lee's ass. Okay. 
What? He only invented his Get own out of here. Of he he was like 130 pounds. Yeah. He was a tiny guy. Shredded. Yeah. So any real fighter who was 185, even an MMA guy today, wouldn't would kick his ass. Would get their hands on him. No. Oh, my God. People think that he was this indestructible force, and he was tiny. Did you miss something? Listen to the podcast on the Odyssey app or at WEEI.com. Gresham Fourier. Middays 10 to 2 on New England Sports Original. WEEI. W-E-E-I. Hey, it's Rich Keefe. Are you still looking for gift ideas? Uh, don't worry about it, because I got one for you. Naturally nude pajamas, available exclusively at Pajamagram. That's right, something for the lady in your life, maybe the ladies in your life, if you are so lucky. Order today. Pajamagram will include a free matching naturally nude nightie, which is a $75 savings. So if you order today, you get the nightie for free. It's a bonus gift. And best of all, Pajamagram does all the wrapping for you with free gift packaging. But you need to order today because last year they sold out before Christmas. So if you order now, you get the naturally nude pajamas and the naturally nude nighty, which again, normally 75 bucks. You're getting that for free and you're walking away with two gifts. Just a moment ago, you had less than a week to go before the big day and you had no ideas, let alone gifts. Now you have two. All you got to do is go to pajamagram.com right now. That's pajamagram.com to order the naturally nude pajamas.